Welcome back to another episode of the Broncos Avenue podcast. We are back after a one week break here today with a special guest. Like I uh, told you guys on Twitter the other day, we are here with um, the one and only. He is the Denver Broncos uh, beat writer and reporter for the Denver Post, who previously covered the Baltimore Ravens for the Baltimore Sun. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Ryan McKinnon, man. It is great to have you here in Denver and obviously here on the Broncos Avenue podcast. Uh, Ryan, how are, how are you doing, man? It's great to have you on the show. How is Denver treating you so far? Doing good. Denver's treating me well. Just uh, been getting adjusted pretty pretty smoothly. Um, overall, loving the city, loving the, the environment as a whole. I'm, in, I'm enjoying every bit of it since I've been here. As, as that's absolutely great to hear. And like I mentioned, um, and obviously uh, for those of you guys are listening, uh, J-Mac and Jordan uh, Lopez will not be on today's episode. They should be at, back on the next one. But uh, Ryan, um, how, obviously, like I mentioned, you work with, uh, previously with the Baltimore Ravens. What is kind of the difference in the vibe that you're feeling right now between uh, working here with the Broncos? I know you've been at press conferences, practices, and whatnot. What is kind of the difference in the vibe that you're feeling so far um, and like the difference in the culture, essentially? I'll say uh, probably one of the biggest differences is kind of like maybe like the type of culture Sean Payton has brought into the Denver Broncos locker room, where it's kind of uh, some you has impact the media just a little bit in terms of some of the, like a lot of the limited restrictions and like you know mm-hmm. you can't use your phone throughout like you know practices you can't like tweet um, until like to the end of of practice. I, I'll yeah. say the phone thing is pretty similar to the Baltimore Ravens. You're not allowed. To be on the phone during practice uh so that's one thing that's pretty similar i think one thing one of the biggest difference is kind of like the social media aspect in terms of like you can't shoot like any video or any photos you put out there of broncos uh otas or minicamp like you had to wait until the practice was done to uh publish it mm-hmm. uh basically you have like a period like during that, like the way the Broncos had their shooting period, the Ravens had their own shooting period. But during that shooting period, you're allowed to, let's say, uh, say, all right, these are players I saw practicing um, and who I didn't see. You're allowed to like maybe shoot video of like the receivers doing drill and you can po- publish it at that present moment instead of waiting until Payton gets the podium to do all that. So to me, that's the biggest difference. Uh, I, I think with the, the truly judge, like the culture and how things are run on a day-to-day basis, like you got a sense of it during, during off-season program, but you won't get a true sense of it until, you know, it's the, it's the regular season and you're there every single day. You're in the locker room every single day and you kind of see how, you know, how things flow when it, as the season progresses, how they are when they're at the top of their game and winning and how things are, you know, when – it, things might not be going too well so i and that stuff like that you kind of you're able to make that difference once the season starts and they're playing games and you're there and they're you're there on a consistent basis and they're seeing your face on a consistent basis as well yeah and you you kind of already talked about how you were uh you're obviously you're a little new to the obviously new to the broncos and you experienced this whole thing with the the social media and only tw- tweeting at certain times with the baltimore ravens but what's your kind of like uh you know take on that or what do you kind of think about that essentially only being able to because i know a lot of broncos fans are not used to this like um i'm going to training camp in a few weeks and like there's only going to be three thousand fans when last year we had like nearly 7500 so it's Mm -hmm. definitely going to be like a whole new thing for uh what i consider to be one of the better fan bases in the sport um they're kind of there's a lot of limitations and everything which i'm not you know not too mad about by any means because it's kind of obvious what sean payton wants to do here but what is your whole kind of take on that and how you uh you view that uh, I'll say this, like coaches have their own 
have their own way of running things. I think mm-hmm. a lot of coaches are a little bit hesitant because sometimes uh, when people do shoot certain things, they might know what they're shooting or what they're taking video of. I remember, I think that was one of the issues John Harbuck had early. I think I was, I was an intern at the Baltimore Sun. Yeah, I was an intern at the Baltimore Sun. And it was I, when I first got there, it was like they had this rule, um, like you couldn't shoot Lamar Jackson and the quarterbacks when they were like at another field. So you couldn't, um, you couldn't do that. And I think a reporter, not like a reporter, I think it was like someone like a, like a camera guy, a video mm-hmm. guy got into like the Zoom because it was still like the whole COVID rules and restrictions. Yeah. So it was like a Zoom during Mendy Camp that time when I first started as an intern. And he asked like, oh, why can we you know, shoot the quarterbacks? And he gave an honest response in terms of saying like sometimes it's they, they're, they're more like they're more concerned of like people shooting the wrong thing and then posting on social media and they don't know what they're exactly. posting. Uh, I think one thing uh, I believe, if you remember, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. There's a there was a video of I think it was Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask yeah. uh, down in Tampa Bay, and they were just like you know just screwing up like simple passes and stuff like that. Like you coaches don't want to get out there because mm-hmm. it brings negative attention to the team. And and the thing is, is like that could have just been three passes out of the fifty they throw through. Through, the, through our two-hour practice. But those those are the passes that, you know, got public and it makes a lot of noise. It leads to uh, TV conversations and debates mm-hmm. and whether – and, you know, you kind of don't want that – like, you, you deal with that throughout the season. You kind of don't want that um, around your team during off-season programs where everyone's just practicing in shorts, not even in pads. You don't yeah. kind of want that stuff out there and – Trying to so I understand, I understand why you see kind of like that um, restraint. So I'm not I'm not entirely surprised. It's kind of like I said, it's kind of different from what they're doing in Baltimore. I think Peyton is a little bit more stricter, uh, but at the same time, you kind of like it hurts. Like as a fan, like you want to like put stuff out there as media, you want to yeah. put videos out there, but at the same time, you kind of got to respect this is what this coach wants to do. This is how he wants to operate the team, and you know you just gotta you gotta um, make do with what you got. So that's what that's exactly. what I'm learning so far. Yeah, it's really interesting stuff. I know we saw the whole thing last year with uh, when Tua um, was being clowned, obviously with the Dolphins and that underthrow to Tyree Hill, and that whole that blew up completely in the media. <laughs> then last year, you know, obviously uh, with the Broncos, there's like interceptions thrown, and fans were trying to catch the little frames to see if it was Brett Ripon or Russell oh, Russell Wilson throwing the interception. Like the fans just go crazy over this stuff, and I could definitely see uh, Sean Payton's reasoning for that. Um, definitely. Um, so uh, my next question for you. Uh, Obviously, like we mentioned, you're at OTA's minicamp and all that. What What is anything specifically that has stood out to you, uh, whether it's just a player, the group all together? Like, what are some things that have um, essentially caught you by surprise? Uh, I think one of the biggest things that uh, caught me by surprise is just, like, the type of vibe Sean Payton has brought to the team. Uh, you can tell just going in there. I, like, I wasn't here last year, so I can't speak on, like, the culture of the team last year. But just seeing what Sean Payton has done – um, so far, you can tell like, like he's not he's not about any BS. He like this is like he's coming here. He's not playing around. Like I said, with the whole restrictions in terms of media stuff, uh, the way like the, the players speak on him in terms of, like the attention to detail, paying attention to little things, um, critiquing every little thing a player does, no matter if it's your first string um, wide receiver like a Jerry Judy or maybe a four string guy who's trying to. Uh, find his way on the roster. Like he's critiquing every little thing. I think one of the crazy coolest things that I, we did get a chance to see during practice was the way 
he they it was like i believe it was either ot i think it was otas i believe where they worked on a lot of like late game situations and the way Peyton spent literally i think almost an hour doing doing that and just how he was very detail oriented making sure oriented making sure the players got it right down to the t and cream a lot of players like when they spoke to us they spoke on that highly from kareem jackson all those guys just like praise. Um, even Jerry Judy has spoken on that as well. Has praised that um, praise Sean Payton's coaching, and I think that's going to help as well. I thought, obviously, you kind of know. I, I'm not the type of guy that wants to make like assumptions and expect high expectations off of offseason programs. But I thought mm-hmm. Russell Wilson looked really sharp in doing practices. Uh, he made a lot of good throws. He was getting he was getting the ball out quickly. Something like you know he he struggled with uh, uh, last year. Uh, it was good to see Javante Williams out there. Uh, you know, obviously he tore that. He tore his uh, ACL back in week four. And to, for him to be able to participate in minicamp and OTAs, I think that's that's pretty remarkable. Although he was he was still limited in a sense where I, during the media viewing, he did not participate in scrimmaging. So when we saw when we was able to watch practice, he was not participating like in 11-11. But to just see him running around, uh, running around, uh, doing drills, and he looked very well. He looked very good. I think that's a positive sign. Sean Payne said he's optimistic that uh, Javante can avoid the public, and it looks like this trending in that direction. Obviously, things change um, as we get closer to camp, so that'll be that'll be something to watch. But I think that was one of my biggest takeaways just to see him out there there on the field, especially like when you look at ACL injuries. Everyone heals differently, and just coming from Baltimore, where their top two running backs last year, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, both deal with ACL yeah. injuries, and J.K. Dobbins, and they both did not play until like week till like we got to like week four or week five of the season. And even J.K. he had to get another procedure done to clean up some things in his knee and then come back again. So just to see him, Javante, out there now in May and June, where I last year I saw we didn't see J.K. till gosh, almost to close to the start of regular season um, practice. And I think that's, you know, that that's pretty remarkable. And that's, that's a lot of optimism there. Uh, Brandon Johnson, uh, second year receiver, he, he looked pretty good. And then that's, that's, that's something we got, you guys got to watch out for is like that, that, re- that, that one of those position battles at the receiver group, because there's so many guys there from, you know, obviously you got your top three guys and uh, Jerry, Judy, Cortland Sutton, and Tim Patrick. But af- after that, I think it's wide open. You got Marvin, your rookie Marvin Mims, uh, and KJ Hammer. Both of those guys are like deep, speedy, deep ball threats. Obviously, KJ Hammer has dealt with a lot of injuries so far throughout his career. That's something to monitor as well because it's, this is going to be a big year for him. He has to stay healthy uh, because they did draft someone like Marvin Mims who brings yeah. live with a similar skill set that can help them out right away. And then, so it's going to be seeing who can create separation. But Brandon Johnson, Brandon Johnson, one of those underrated, under the radar guys in that receiving room that I thought stood out to me during that time. So I'll say that's the guy to look out for in training camp. Uh, I think uh, Drew Drew Saunders, uh, the rookie Drew Saunders, is a like he's pretty like that's a that's a big dude. Uh, so I <laughs> like and like I think he's and they really like him. He has a lot of potential. So that's like. That the running backs, uh, Brandon Johnson, that's probably, and obviously, like the way Russ was looking, um, and turned not only but, but from the weight loss, but how he how sharp he was looking in practice, yeah. So, it, so it was those, those probably my t- takeaways going out of the OTAs and minicamp. 
yeah, that bottom half of that wide receiver room is going to be a huge battle this upcoming uh, training camp for sure. Um, yeah, definitely some uh, good players that you mentioned there. I know uh, Brandon Johnson is taking a lot of people by surprise. Andrew Mason was mentioning how he brought he had some really uh, good catches during um, minicamp, mandatory minicamp a few weeks ago. So uh, well, obviously on on pain a little bit already. What do you think of the staff that he's put together? Like, have you seen anything that's uh, set out for maybe Zach Street for obviously Vance Joseph coming back to the Broncos and then Coach CP Christian Parker, uh, who's thought very highly of um, you know amongst the fan base. What do you think about the staff that he's put together? It feels like there's a lot of variety in terms of experience and age. I think it's all, yeah, you, you hit you hit those two points: a lot of variety and experience and age at the same time, familiarity. And I think that's the key. I think Sean Payne's a guy that kind of wants to get the ball rolling right away. So you can see even with the coaching hires he made, he brought in guys that he's familiar with uh, from you know Joe Lombardi. Uh, Vance Joseph, even though they didn't work together in the past, but Vance Joseph has has was a former head coach um, here in Denver. Although his mm-hmm. tenure was not the was not the prettiest, but during his time there, their defense was pretty solid uh, under him. So I think you're bringing a guy where like some of your key guys, like Justin Simmons, is familiar with him. Uh, so I think I think that's the one thing I you you got to take away from there is just like when you look at the staff, it's more of you can tell Sean Payne is trying to get this ball rolling fast. And I think the best way to do it is yeah. bringing in guys you've either previously worked with or guys who are familiar with some of the players and organizations as a whole. And I think that's what he did there. I know a lot of a lot of people probably were kind of step, skeptical, uh, skeptical when uh, Vance came back. But yeah. you got to look at it. He's still, he's still a pretty solid defensive coordinator. And, and, this, and he's not coming here to be the head coach. He's coming here to run the defense. And I think, I, I think he's solid. I think he's a solid guy. I think – he could work. He could work well with the guys he got in the room. I think I believe Arizona defense wasn't the best last year, um, but I think you're coming to you're coming to Denver with a much more talented defense to work with. Like you can't you're working with uh, Justin Simmons at the safety and Pat Sertan as your corner. They're two of the top guys in their respective position, and you got to. So I think Vance, I think Vance Joseph is going to put together a solid defense. But like overall, I think when you look at Sean Payne's coaching staff, it's a lot of it's based on the familiarity, and I think that's the key to. I think for him, that's the key to trying to get the ball rolling fast. Yeah, Justin Simmons, he was breaking out when uh, Vance Joseph was the head coach here in the defensive play caller. A lot of people don't remember. Um, then obviously, Josie Jewell spent time with uh, Vance Joseph as well. He's spoken about how he's excited to have him back. And um, yeah, I'm one of those guys that wasn't too like as mad as the rest of the fan base about the move. And then you got to also remember that Christian Parker is waiting right there as an up, up and coming DC candidate, not only for the Broncos DC job in the future, potentially, or just for an, any NFL team looking for a um, young and up and coming talented uh, defensive coordinator and a lot of our defensive backs um including pj law caden stern simmons ps2 all those guys have spoken very highly of him so um good to hear how that uh, staff is coming along um so one of the biggest questions this offseason has been around Sean Payton, Russell Wilson, trading for Sean Payton. Russell Wilson, you know, you mentioned him slimming down, uh, wanting to get to more of that athletic uh, mobile play style like he was in Seattle. Um, what do you think about the future with Sean Payton and Russell Wilson? Like, obviously, I think we can all agree that it's probably more likely that Sean Payton's going to be here longer than Russ, um, while it could go the other way. But um, that's kind of where it seems like it's headed. But what do you make of like the near future and the foreseeable future? Like, do you think Sean Payton's going to get Russ back to his old? days or somewhere near nearly as close back to his old days just what do you make of this uh this whole fit and how it's gonna uh, mold together in their first season together i th- i think sean Payne's what russell what russell wilson needs 
you, you look back at you look back at last year. And I'm I'm not trying to make a lot of excuses for Russ. Uh, it, it was a lot of bad football in the offensive end. <laughs> it was a lot of bad football. Yeah. It just and you you could point that to a lot of things. It's just you had it uh, from coaching to injuries. Like it, it's hard to expect. It's hard to expect the guy that like takes a C at the highest level when his when he his his offensive line is constantly rotating. You don't have your top back in the backfield. Uh, you already you already went into the year with Tim Patrick out for for torn ACL. So it's like it, it's hard to expect someone to just put up uh, crazy numbers in that's in those circumstances. But going to what Sean Payne and Russell Wilson, like I said, Sean Payne is what Russell Wilson needs. You saw what he did with Drew Brees in New Orleans and the success they had. I think Russell Wilson still got it in him. And I think I think Sean Payne is the guy that, that can put Russ in a position to uh, to bring back what we saw back in Seattle. Now, does it look like is it is he going to be the guy that throws uh, forty touchdowns like he did a couple seasons ago? I don't know, but do I think he's going to have a much better year uh, than the year before? Yes, I do. I think if if you if like let's say if you got Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, Cortland Center healthy, I think Greg Dulcich. I think he's going to have a pretty big year. I, I'm very I'm very high on him. I think he has a lot of talent. I know he like he dealt with a hamstring injury last year, but yeah. a fully healthy Greg Dulcich. I think he. I think he can be a, a really big weapon in that offense. You're gonna have a you have a revamped offensive line, so it's gonna be a lot better than it was last year. You're gonna get Javante Williams back, so it's like you're gonna have a lot more weapons to work with, and he, and then add that to a brilliant offensive um, a mind in Sean Payton. Uh, I it's I think the ball is in Russell Wilson's court. I think this is the year where like you can't make any you can't make excuses on this. Like like I said, you can you can last you can say, oh yeah, like you can talk about the injuries. You can talk about Nathaniel Hackett. Um, but this year it's like you got one of the best you got one of the best coaches in the game. You guys are getting healthy. You got revamped offensive line. I think the ball's in Russell Wilson's court. I think like like you mentioned, he he, he lost like he lost weight. He's he looked more in shape this year. So I think this. I think Russell Wilson is going to have a pretty big year. Uh, do I, like I said? Do I think it's going to be the forty touchdowns we saw a couple of seasons? I don't know. I don't. I personally don't think so. But I think he, it's going to be enough where you can, if this team is fully healthy, this is a team I think can uh, makes they can be a sleeper team. And I think this is a team that can compete for a postseason spot. Yeah, most definitely. And um, I th- I've spoken. Yeah, I actually really agree with you on the whole touchdowns thing because I feel like everybody's expecting. There's the there's two sides of the fan base right now. The the fans who who are thinking this is going to be like a run first offense. There's going to be a lot of ru- running the football and Rus- Russell Wilson to throw around that 25 touchdown mark is what I'm assuming. Maybe a little bit higher than that. Then there's the fans that think he's going to have like a huge comeback season. And then there's a third side who's very, very uncertain about how that's going to essentially go. Um, I just feel like with Sean Payton, the floor just gets raised uh, tremendously from what, what it was last year. Um, you look at the jump and everything he uh, has from a coaching standpoint and leadership standpoint, as opposed to Nathaniel Hackett. Um, obviously, that uh, you didn't work with um, 
you know, you didn't work with the Broncos last year. We did have Nathaniel Hackett. Um, so you definitely uh, have seen like two really solid uh, head coaches um, there with uh, Jim Harbaugh and uh, John Harbaugh and um, Sean Payton. So, yeah, last year was definitely an interesting um, year for the Denver Broncos. But uh, moving ahead, what do you think about a training camp coming up? I know a lot of fans, including myself, are very excited um, for, you know, the opening practices and everything. What are you kind of looking forward to the most in terms of any specific players or camp battles? I know you uh, mentioned wide receivers going to be a, a definitely a very, very grueling competition. But what do you think about the uh, camp battles coming up? And how do you think uh, who do you really think is going to come out of it, essentially? I think, like I said, we talked about receivers. Uh, that's one camp battle I'll, I'll kind of you want to. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing. I kind of want to see like tight ends. Obviously, you know what Greg Dolce is going to do, but like you know who's going to take that tight end number two spot? Will it be Trotman, who they traded for that played with Sean Payton in the past? You got you got Albert O. Uh, you got Chris Manhurst. I, I, you don't you don't rely on Chris Manhurst as a guy to be a pass catcher, but yeah. you kind of look for him to help out in the, in the, in. In terms of blocking, so it's kind of see like, all right, can he? Because they also have fullback uh, Michael Burton on the roster as well. So with fullback Michael Burton on the roster, does will Chris Manhurst will they keep four tight ends as well? Um, I that with Manhurst helping out with with the blocking. So that's something I want to see how how they work out with that. Um, what else? I think you look at the. You, I, I like. I'm looking forward to seeing the edge rushers. Obviously, Brett Baron Brownie is going is going to miss some time at recovering from all season knee surgery. But mm-hmm. I think this is an opportunity for Nick Benito, second year guy who was who was the second round pick uh, in twenty twenty uh, the last year. Uh, I think this is a, a chance for him to you know to you know take a step, show that he's he's going to take strides in year two. I like his you know I, I like his game. I like his game back in Oklahoma. You got Frank Clark as well, a veteran a veteran presence. So I'm looking forward to seeing that edge rushing group. Randy Gregory, that's a guy who, like, has talent but has struggled to stay on the field throughout his career. So I think it's going – knowing that is going to be important for someone like a Nick Benito to kind of show he can he can take those year two strides because you don't know how many games Baron Browning is going to miss in the regular season. So I think that's an opportunity for him to, you know, showcase his talent. And then figure out the figure out the kicker situation. I, uh, I know they, they, signed, they signed Elliot Fry, but he does not have – uh, a lot of a lot of experience, uh, so it's going. To, you're going to wonder if you know they're going to add. You know they're going to add someone down. I know they brought in, they they brought in a kicker. A, they brought in a kicker during uh, training camp as a tryout. Yeah, Randy, but Randy, Randy, yeah, Randy Bullock. Uh, but they they you know they didn't keep him. So you have to warn them. We're like, all right, what they're going to do with Elliot Fry? Is that another position we're going to see down the road? That you know out there maybe one or two preseasons game that might sign someone who's out there on the market. So that I think the kicking that doesn't get talked about a lot, but I think the kicking, I think that figuring out the kicking situation is going to be something to keep an eye on, mm-hmm. keep an eye out on. And just also too, like the defensive line. I they signed Zach, you know, they signed Zach Allen. They got Mike Purcell, they got DJ Jones, but like the rest of it is like you kind of you're kind of relying on some of those guys there to take a, some of them young guys to take a step in year two. So you wondering like, all right, is that a position where they might add another free uh, uh, another player in free agency? So that's that's so that defensive line group is something I want to I'm looking forward to seeing as well. 
I want to go back to the kicker position for a little minute because the whole situation is a little interesting. Obviously, our last our last Super Bowl 50 champion on the roster, the Broncos move on from him. Uh, we've spoken on this podcast about how we felt it was the right move. Um, and then they go ahead and bring in Elliot Fry. And this is someone who I feel like I, I'm not too sure I'm too confident in, but at the same time, I can't say that I'm not confident in because we haven't seen like a full season for him as an NFL starting kicker so um it's really interesting i i want to get your thoughts do you think like they really do see something in or i've, I've seen some people in the media say that he's really just kind of like a filler kicker right now and they're kind of looking they have their eyes on some kickers on potentially some other rosters that if they get let go b- uh, before preseason or after preseason that they'll snatch him up and uh we'll have a whole new starting kicker by week one i think you i think you can you can see that i, I i'm kind of leaning towards that as more like like you said, kind of on that filler thing is mm-hmm. on that filler on Elliot Fry. It just like it was kind of it was like you. It kind of was like a weird signing because it was like it felt for me when I when they when they made that announcement, it was kind of more like all right, we need we need someone here for yeah. you know for the time being. If he you know if he shows if he shows out, then we keep him. If not, we at least have a kicker until we figure out. Um, until we can find someone towards in the training camp. So I think that's one position. Like I said, I think. I have a feeling they're probably going to bring someone else in. It, at the moment, I don't know who. I just feel like I don't. There's just something tells me I don't think going to Week One, Elliot Fry is going to be the Broncos starting kicker. I think I think it's more of a wait and see approach, like you said, seeing or who gets released, who might be out there on the market now that they can probably get. So I think that's that's one position. I think you're going to probably see by Week One maybe someone different as the Broncos starting kicker. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, hundred percent. Um, then the edge edge room that you mentioned, uh, there's some definitely some guys with some injury concerns. Um, I know I I uh, believe it was ESPN recently marked that as our uh, weakest position on the team. Um, definitely uh, an area where I feel like uh, some fans and analysts still want to add another edge rusher to that room. Um, so that'll be an interesting one going on in training camp because Jonathan Cooper, we're hearing a lot about him balling out in uh, OTAs and mini camp, so he could really separate himself uh, in the competition and give him a bigger snap count in the. Uh, in the rotation. Um, so yeah, that basically wraps up everything uh, for training camp. Really excited uh, for what's going to come uh, in uh, mid to late July. And then obviously early August uh, preseason as well. Then how uh, all that will go out. The last player I want to talk about uh, KJ Hamler. I don't know if you saw recently uh, him on that, uh, po- the full circle podcast. He really opened up about his, you know, his mental health and everything he's gone through the last few years uh, for a lot of Broncos fans that have been following the team the last four years. We, we've definitely have seen just the, the amount of the battles that KJ Hamler has had with injury. It's like every time he touches the field, it's it's something with his knee or ankle or uh, shoulder and concussions, and it just the list goes on. You got to feel really bad for the guy, and then uh, him opening up on that podcast was definitely emotional for a lot of the AJ Handler fans out there and just people in general that really do care for the guy. Um, but it was really really cool to see him, like you know, kind of um, you know, speak out and for men men's mental health as well isn't talked about enough. And I really uh, like that he talked about that. What do you and just going back to the football side of things, what do you see for him in this upcoming uh, training camp? Because I know we got some news uh, the other day that he will uh, in fact be. I don't know if he's going to be a full go, but I know he's going to be practicing and playing at training camp. Um, so what do you see for him? And I know. He's going to be one of those guys right there with Montreal, Washington, um, Lil Jordan Humphrey, Marvin Mims, even they're all going to be battling for spots in that lower half of the depth chart. And one of those guys and Kendall Hinton as well, they're all going to be battling. Uh, one of those guys is probably going to be let go. If not one, two or even three. Yeah. I, I, I it's, that's going to be like, I think, like I said earlier, that's going to be an interesting spot because you know, KJ Hamler, 
when healthy. I think I think we haven't really seen his true potential because of injuries. I think even when we go back to college, like that guy was a, a very speedy, talented receiver when he was at Penn State. I really, and I think, like I said, he's one of those speedy, deep ball guys that can really uh, make big plays. But at the same time, they did draft Marvin Mims Jr. So it's like yeah. you can, it's like kind of there's a lot even even though there's probably I think there's a lot of pressure going to KJ Hammer and in going into camp because of that. So I. I think he can, I think he can find a um, on a roster spot, but at the same time, you gotta look at Denver, and they probably have to ask himself the honest questions like, "All right, how, can we be? Can he be dependable? We know what he can bring, but can he be dependable?" So I that it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting to see. And like you said, we're gonna we're gonna be in a situation where one one or two of those guys are probably gonna be like uh, are gonna be let go, and it's gonna be a hard it's gonna be a tough decision. I you kind of know already, like I said, you already know who, what your top three guys gonna bring. But I think the rest of the spots down there, it like it, the, who they keep and who they don't, it's gonna be tough. Uh, because yeah. I think I think I think KJ can figure out. I think KJ can figure out a way. Um, you know the car the car roll in his roster, but at the same time, you gotta look at all right. Can they depend on him? Um, and then they also drafted Marvin Mims. They all they got Mims on the roster as well, who can who can um, be one of those big play guys. So it's gonna be interesting. But I do, I do like, I do like, I do like KJ's a player, but it's gonna. I think it's gonna really depend on like overall his health. Yeah, really. That's that's the main factor left for uh, KJ Hamler, and really rooting for the guy. I honestly would prefer him to make the roster, um, but only if he's healthy this uh, upcoming training camp and on the final year of his rookie contract. I think you just got to really see what you get out of him, um, rather than just letting him go. Unless, like uh, like we said, he gets hurt. Um, so really uh, hoping and praying for the guy throughout training camp and everybody else, his whole team to stay healthy. Because Broncos fans, it has been a rough, rough, rough stretch of uh, to not even just football, but just the injuries. We can. Train Training camp, we always have. There's always a player with last few practices that's going to be out for the season with something. It's it's really hard as a Broncos fan. I'm just that's the one big thing I'm hoping for and just praying for is just the, the majority of this roster being healthy. Just get out of training camp healthy, and then we'll see where we go from our preseason. But Ryan, thank you so much for being on today's show. Um, that wraps up everything with training camp and uh, obviously all your uh, inside and uh, inside insight uh, with uh, OTAs and mini camp and everything that you saw and all the battles that we're looking forward to. Um, thanks for being on the show, man. Hopefully I run into you at a uh, training camp or something. Yeah. If you see me, just see me say, what's up, man. Thanks so much for you. having me. Of course, man. If you guys are uh, watching today's episode and enjoyed today's episode with Ryan McFadden, uh, Denver Broncos beat reporter reporter for the Denver post, make sure you guys uh, like, and subscribe on YouTube. If you guys are listening on Apple podcasts and Spotify, make sure you guys follow, leave a five-star rating. All that support is greatly appreciated. I hope everybody had a great July and celebrated and with, you stay safe um yeah we're gonna officially back here when we uh, continue to get more consistent um with these episodes but i hope you guys enjoyed today's episode i'm your host amir with today's great guest ryan mcfadden till the next episode peace